Hello and welcome to another episode of A Need to Read. This is a book review episode and I'm going to be talking about The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. And it was a very, very good book. And I usually find books about money particularly boring. But before we get into it, a couple of things before we get going. I just want to give a shout out to Lucy Lord and her new cookbook, Food for the Soul. This is not an ad, this is not a sponsor, but my mate has written a cookbook. It's got 80 80 recipes in there and they all look great. She's a legend. She can seriously bake and I suggest getting this to put in your kitchen and get it covered in flour and have a good time baking. And if you bake with someone else, like eat, that's pretty fun. It's a good activity to do with someone. So if you're looking for a little date night, it's only like 11 quid. Cheapest chips. Or like a few portions of chips. So go and get it. You know what to do. Shout out to Lucy Lord. Well done. Congratulations on the publication of your first cookbook. Now the sponsor of this podcast is BetterHelp. Now BetterHelp, they provide an online therapy service to millions of people around the world. Therapy will change your life. I probably speak about it all the time. Maybe people are sick of it, but there are people that need it and use it and will change their life from it, which is brilliant. So I'm just going to keep banging on about it. They will put you in touch with a therapist within 48 hours of you completing your application online where you go through a quick questionnaire and they'll match you with a therapist to suit your needs. They don't just chuck you to anyone. It is quite specific. And if you don't get on with that therapist you can go to someone else free of charge you can change things are getting back to normal lives are going to get a little bit busier again and for some people that's exciting and for some that's kind of nerve-wracking and a bit overwhelming so if you fit into one of those categories or you just want to streamline your life a little bit more and get some therapy then head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read and what you get is 10 percent off your first month of online therapy through a service that essentially even without the 10 percent off is Far cheaper than your standard face-to-face counselling. But let's get in to the book. So like I said at the start, books on money usually bore me senseless. And maybe that's because my attitude to money used to be different. Maybe it's a little bit different now. And I've read a couple books on money, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think everyone reads that book when they first look at money. And But that does give you some good sort of concepts and stuff about wealth and finances. And then I read Money by Rob Moore. But if I'm honest, I can't remember any of that. So it can't have been that good. But The Psychology of Money, it says it's timeless lessons on wealth, greed and happiness. So the, the title, Psychology of Money, is actually really intimidating. And I've had the book for a while and I just didn't bother to pick it up because I was like, oh, actually... It just looks a little bit scary. And I think that's quite an easy trap to fall into with books. Like you look at the cover, you're like, nope, nope, too scary, too much, too much information for me. This one is so easy to read. I can believe it. It's like 20 chapters of little bits of how your brain works around money and then also how money works as well. So some of the chapters, like no one's crazy is the first chapter. Luck and risk, never enough. And I'm going to go into a couple of chats. I've made some notes that I'm going to go into on them. But firstly, obviously, the author, why is he qualified to talk about money? Well, he's a journalist and writes at the Wall Street Journal. And Wall Street is that bit in New York where they make all the big trades. So he kind of knows his stuff. Um, And 
the whole the whole premise of the book essentially is that doing well with money doesn't really necessarily mean that you're smart or that you've got loads of it or earn loads of it it's kind of just your ability to save and your attitude towards money so people people's attitudes towards money everyone thinks that they know it everyone thinks that they know it all but I'll think differently to you think and he says that your thoughts on money are probably about naught point naught 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 loads of noughts point one of what goes on but you think it makes up about 80% of it and obviously everyone's got a different attitude so when you discuss money with others no it's probably quite a sensitive subject for them because they think they're right and you think you're right and the reality of it is probably neither of you are that right so when you're trying to talk to with a friend about spending big money on something don't expect them to agree with you because the likelihood that they have the same attitude to you is not so likely so that's that's one thing to think about is that you probably think that you know more than you do and i actually didn't think i knew anything and now i kind of feel like i know something after reading this book um but like say we think differently to people in third world countries like when we think about people working in sweatshops or like in factories working for pennies we think oh my god that is terrible but he gives an example in the book when they're talking to someone who works in a sweatshop they're super grateful to be there because if they weren't working in a sweatshop then they'd be a prostitute i'm not saying there's anything wrong with sex workers but that person didn't want to be one their situation forced them into it and i think that kind of tends to be the case so working in a sweatshop was actually a bit of an upgrade and uh when i've read shoe dog right everyone i love shoe dog and he explains about he was like paying some of his factory workers so much money to well he's probably doing it to stop getting stick from everyone in the press but he was paying them so much that it was affecting the inflation rate in the country because he was paying factory workers more than doctors were getting paid so he had to reduce the wages again so, like the way it works in our country whichever country you're in to, compared to another country is going to be completely different some people are really really frugal with their money love the word frugal it's actually my childminder when i was younger's dog's name and it just means being a bit tight and others just love throwing money about there's a big gap there but i was trying to think of what i was saying just thinking about the dog that i used to hang out with when i was younger now going into like the actual book so he essentially says that no one's crazy that's that's the first chapter no one's crazy we all think we know it all but no one actually really knows it all the one of the most important things when it comes to money is that people don't like to be told people take the lessons on money through experience and i think like so when you're 18 i think you can get a credit card i think i may have got a credit card when i was like 20 21 and even though the place that i worked in loads of people were working there to make commission to get out of credit card debt i still got one i didn't really run up debt but i did treat my little blue credit card as if it was like free money so by the time i'd got paid i'd have to pay off pretty much all of my wages off of my credit card and now i don't do that anymore but that's because i've learned the lesson through experience and if someone told me oh don't spend your credit card money i would know that that was right 
but I think sometimes you just have to do figure just have to figure it out yourself. It doesn't really work in a way that someone will tell you exactly how money works and you're like, yeah, I'm going to take that for gospel. Even financial advisors don't know. It's interesting, he says that in America, 50% of people that work at hedge funds don't have their money in the hedge funds. Which, I mean, that doesn't make sense. Surely you'd believe in what you're working, you put all your money into it, but can't even trust the financial advisors or the hedge fund runners anymore. You don't know who to get your advice from. He talks about luck and risk, and I said that a moment ago in terms of like the chapters. When you look at luck and when you look at risk, it plays a massive part in your finances. Like the luck that you're born into a family that have a good attitude towards money, or like if you're essentially the amount you earn and the amount your siblings earn will usually be very, very similar. And he says that you're more likely to be rich if your brother's rich and tall than you are to be tall because it's that much of an influence um and the a part about luck and risk he said essentially bill gates he went to one of the only schools in america with a computer and out of about 303 million students at high school age only about 300 went to his school and then it was him and some other bloke that just toyed around with computers all the time that's luck like he was bo- he was born in a lucky situation you can call it privilege if you want, but it's just, it's luck. One of the other chapter, Never Enough. I'm, I'm not going to go through all of the chapters like verbatim, as it were, but I will pull out a couple of the interesting bits, then you see if you want to read it. Never Enough was the name of one of the chapters, and he says that there was a billionaire party. I'm imagining it to be like Great Gatsby, but he didn't pay too much for picture. And at the, bi- the billionaire party, weirdly, there was a very rich man. And he told this other bloke there, he goes, oh, look, he earns what you make in a year, in a day. And the other man goes, yeah, but I have something that he'll never have. Enough. It's worth thinking about, isn't it? Because if we're always chasing more, when do we have enough? When are we able to take stock and be happy with what we have? Often when it comes to money, you you don't get to that point. You never actually sit back and go, oh, yeah, I've actually got enough money now. You're always chasing more. And enough isn't like as conservative as it sounds, like and an frugal, good word. It's about saying that you don't need to chase more. And like, if it comes, that's that's great, that's amazing. But it is like with anything in life, like you have to just be happy with what you've got. There's no like, there's no shame in striving for more. Money is not evil, but don't make it like your life's purpose. Having a sense of wholeness and enoughness is a very, very good thing. And he talks about compound interest. Because compound interest, like you've probably heard me talk about it for when I've spoken about atomic habits and like 1% gains equal exponential growth after a certain period of time. A compound interest he puts into an amazing sort of metaphor. It's like when you think about an oak tree, when you plant it, after a year, there's pretty much nothing to see. And after about 10 years, like you've got a small tree but after about 50 years there is something beautiful out there and that's how compounding works if you put your money into a high interest account like a stock savers or bonds which look they in terms of stocks and savers bonds they essentially just put your money in loads of different companies and essentially just betting on the stock market as a whole 
going up. Some of them may lose, some of them may win. And by lose and win, I mean go down and up. That has gone up considerably over the last 60 years. So if you are thinking long term, like 40, 50 years for your savings, for retirement, which obviously might not be a long way away for some of you, mum, if you're listening, um, that's when that money's going to come into hand, like be handy for you, is after about 50 years. And if you just keep putting money into something, so I, I, I did a calculation here, and if you put your money away, £400 a month, I know you might not have £400 a month, but this is just the example that I've used, and you start with a balance of, say, 10 grand. If you put £400 a month into that for 40 years at an annual interest rate of about 7%, and that's it's, it's not too much to ask to get a 7% return from like a higher risk bond account or like investment account, your total monthly deposits by the end of that 35, 40 years will be 192,000, but the interest earned will be over a million because it compounds and that is pretty cool now you might put that into other people's hands or you might want to do the investing yourself if you want to take a leaf out of Warren Buffett's book he doesn't do too many investments but you can't be Warren Buffett essentially you won't be worth 84 billion unless you started investing at age 10 and you've already got a few million under your belt now because that's what he did. He started saving from a very, very young age. And I think he just gets an absolute stiffy for his savings account. And I mean, I'd probably get a boner if I saw 84 billion or million. No, it's billion in my bank account. So, unfortunately, maybe you won't be a billionaire. But there is a strong chance that you could be a millionaire if you start investing properly and wait until you're 60 and be a bit frugal, which might be a little bit boring. But just so you know, it could be very possible. When it comes to like investing in your own stocks and shares and stuff like that, you don't lose any money if the stock market's down unless you sell. And this is where the psychology part comes in because it's essentially about holding on. If you put your money into like the S&P 500, which is like the top 500 companies in the US, which is like Apple, Microsoft, um, Spotify, probably Tesla, you're probably pretty safe with your money there. But say there was a recession like there was in 2008, it all goes down by like 40%. If you take your money out, then yeah, you've lost money. But if you kept your money in, you'd have made massive returns by now. And all you have to do is have that long-term mindset and that you're holding on. And then you make money. It seems all so simple. And maybe I'll let you guys know in about 20 years how, how the money that I've sort of invested is. One of the very good chapters that I thought was very, very prevalent was called The Man in the Car Paradox. Now, when you see someone with a nice car let's i'm gonna let your imagination run now so just shut your eyes whatever you're doing obviously if you're driving don't do that or if you're somewhere unsafe shut your eyes don't do that but if you're not just shut your eyes and just imagine someone drives past you and parks up next to you in a ferrari and they 
get out of the car, you glance at them for a second, and then you look back at the car. What he essentially says is, like, all of your material possessions, all these nice shoes, nice bags, nice clothes, nice cars, no one's actually looking at you. They're looking at the car, the clothes, the shoes. And no one is imp- is impressed with your stuff as much as you are, essentially. And that's that's all there is to that, but I just thought that was quite a good bit of the book. Now, the main thing in terms of, like, actual wealth wealth he says is something that you can't see this is your money that's invested these are your assets these aren't just like the cash that you have in your wallet or the brand that your wallet is so when he talks about wealth and like the number one way that you can get rich he uses an example of energy so i'll read it from the book so the united states uses 60 percent less energy per dollar of gdp today than they did in 1950 the average miles per gallon of all vehicles on the road has doubled since 1975. So the world grew its energy wealth not by increasing the energy that it had, but by decreasing the energy that it needed. So essentially what he's saying there is just be a little bit tighter. And it's quite as simple as that. You don't need to increase, you don't need a higher paying job, you don't need all of this stuff. What you need to do is just be smarter with the money that you do have. Make your incomings far greater than your outgoings. And that might just come down to reducing your outgoings. Now look, being rich might not be something you're interested in at all. And that doesn't really matter. All you've got to do is work out what your attitude is to it. And this book will just essentially give you the tools to do that. So when it comes to saving money, he says like you don't need to be saving for something in particular but it is a good idea to save in general. And the best way to start investing and the best way to work out what to do with your money is firstly, just work out what your attitude towards it is. Like, do you actually want it? Do you want that amount of money? What would change if you did have that? Would it be fun to grow a bank account over 30 years and just to keep looking at it compounding? Like, I'm sure the last few years of your compounding money would be pretty cool to see like when you're seeing like a 900 grand compound into like 970 in one year it would be pretty cool because that could essentially just fund your retirement 70 grand a year that's more than enough depending on what you want to do with your retirement 400 quid a month apparently according to my calculations which i would not take as financial advice i did just chuck it into something off google but yeah the book is great the like last few chapters i've literally just finished it now and he runs through like all of the lessons and i'm just going to pick out some other ones from there let's just see less ego more wealth and he says that saving money is the gap between your ego and your income and i mean that makes quite a lot of sense another big lesson when you're trying to work out like what the risk is or what the reward is and like which which stocks to invest in, who to invest your money with. If you're looking at history, your bias in your head is that history will never repeat itself, that there will never be another recession, that things won't change, things are as they are. We have a bias within us to think that we've essentially cracked it. And it's the same with like personalities. Like you know 
later in your 20s like you think oh I know exactly who I am and then by the time you're 35 you're a completely different person we all have this bias to think that we've got it worked out and it's the same with money we think we have it worked out because of what we want at the time but now you might be different so as an example when I was 23 I got a six grand bank loan to buy a jet ski now I don't regret that decision right but would I get a six grand loan to get a jet ski now no I wouldn't I did have a really fun summer but I wouldn't make that decision now and I think that kind of comes with like growing up and just expect your attitudes to change and if you think history won't repeat itself then you're silly because history often repeats itself if not to a grander scale people after world war one didn't think there was ever going to be a war again 20 years later 75 million people dead world war Two, hitler's had his way with the world and bet that person was eating their hat which probably would have been a lot nicer than the rations that people were having so that's worth thinking about if I'm honest, I think everyone should read it just to kind of work out what their attitude is towards money. Because money is important. Health and wealth. Love and happiness. Nah. Health and wealth, they're two very, very important things. And understanding how to look after your health and understanding how to look after your wealth, which might not buy you happiness, but will buy you freedom and give you the option to choose what to do with your time, does make it quite an important topic. So, yeah, psychology of money. I'd give that five stars. Morgan Housel. I'll put a link in the description for all of the things discussed at the start, including Lucy Lord's cookbook, which I hope you buy, and BetterHelp, and Patreon, and all of the other good things. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. I hope you enjoy the book if you do get it. You're all absolute legends. Love you, bye.